Hello and welcome to the 49 Up podcast with George Machen and James Coton. Today we'll be discussing more late-breaking news about the 50th anniversary year and we'll be having a review of Asylum of the Daleks. Hello and welcome again. Yes, it's fantastic to be here for episode two of the 49 Up podcast. Uh, how are you in the UK, James? Uh, quite tired because it's quarter past nine in the evening and I should be getting to sleep sometime, but I'm staying up so that we can get this second episode of the podcast out, so I'm, I'm trudging through having to stay up. Fantastic. Today we have some great news to go through, not only some news uh, from the past week, but sort of the past few uh, hours or half day, and, uh, and I think we should start with that because it's probably the most exciting news we've had uh, in quite a little bit of time. There's been an interview released uh, featuring Christopher Eccleston, uh, which is briefly discusses the 50th anniversary and uh, his possible return, and the quote is, when asked, uh, would he like to be involved, was, if I told you that, I'd have to shoot you. Uh, and I, I take this one of two ways. Either he's saying that because there is something he knows that he can't tell us, which is, and this is a very uh, normal way of saying, you know, I can't really say anything more about that. Or he's simply saying that to move the topic on because he doesn't care, he's sick of being asked, and he just wishes people would leave him alone about Doctor Who. I think that as well. It's also, if you add on what he said when he was pushed further, he says, it's so long ago for me that I haven't even thought about it. To me, that's saying that he is lessening to it much as Tom Baker did with a big Finnish audio, so I'm assuming if he's been, it's either from him being pestered too much or obviously the production crew has gotten in contact with him and he thinks, oh, it's been a long enough time for the fans to miss me, I might just make a quick cameo just to satisfy them and obviously it's a way for me to bring something more to my acting career because obviously I've only did 13 episodes. I think he said last year in an interview or a Q&A or some kind of panel that um, he normally, if, between the years of like 2006 and 2010, his stock answer was like, no, not doing it, not doing it, We, I left, I'm not doing it again. In 2011, he made a statement saying, oh, I, maybe I do have a bit more to do with that character. Uh, and I know the whole him leaving the show is shrouded in a bit of mystery and we're not entirely sure why he left, like difference of opinion, difference of how to make, you know, television and all that. And I mean, I don't really want to get into that too much. But uh, I definitely think that this is, is this is the only time he will consider doing anything for the show again. This is the closest I think we'll ever get is, is if he doesn't do the 50th anniversary, I don't think we'll ever see him be involved in anything whatsoever again. But also bouncing off that him how he had this apparent problem with the production and problem with the people he worked with and couldn't get on because now the whole show is a completely well mostly different production crew different writers uh, for the most part or at least sort of the writers i think christopher himself actually said empty child was his favorite and stephen moffat wrote that so this might be the time he might prefer coming back into it i mean i don't know i think this is almost we're clinging on to a one sentence that he probably said off the cuff i don't think even he knew this was going to get blown up over you know doctor who fan sites within a few hours so yeah i, I don't know how much more we can extrapolate from it it's mainly going to be well, as I said last week, with the purpose of this podcast, with all the light tidbits we're getting, I think since we've passed November 23rd, 2012, we've got 
we, as we're counting down, we've got about six, 350 whatever days it is till the 50th anniversary. So I'm assuming now is going to be the time where all of the information, even if it's in tiny, tiny little droplets of information, is going to be dribbling out across the year that it takes us to 23rd of November 2013. So if there's any going to be any chance of the past doctors coming back, like we've had David Tennant last, we talked about that last week and Christopher Exton this week, it would have to be pretty soon that they reveal it because if they're going to have anything to do with like if any of the 50th anniversary specials or any of series uh, 7, then they're going to be filming it anytime soon to be ready for the, for the 50th anniversary year. So if they're going to do it, they're going to have to do some way of bringing the information out in a way that doesn't ruin it through like spoiler phobes or anything like that. So if they're going to do it, then the best time is to get the information out as quickly as possible, but not in such a way that ruins it for everyone. Mm. Personally as well, I, I've said this to a lot of other fans and other people. It, he is the person, or at least the doctor, who I would most like to be featured if I could only have one of one other Doctor, maybe that's because he had the least episodes out of all the Doctors, with the exception of Paul McGann. But of course, he's had big finish. But I really think, out of all those Doctors, he—I just—I would love the idea of him being in it. That excites me more than any other Doctor. Mm, mm. Well, I mean, it's it, it's always a great temptation to have all three of the modern Doctors together in a story if if you can't get any of the older ones. So. If we have anything to go on by David Tennant's ramblings and also Christopher Eccleston's now, then I mean, a 50th anniversary with three modern Doctors would be a very good present for the fans as well as obviously a very interesting concept to bring up. Fantastic. Yeah. I think that's about everything we can say on that then until we get more information uh, in relation to it. So we've got a new movie-style poster, as there have been for the previous Series 7 Part 1 episodes. And this one's up rather intriguing because what you can see, it's a ladder with the Doctor and Clara hanging from the TARDIS doors with London below. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now and I think this is, the first thing I take from this is we're getting an episode set in London again, which we haven't had for quite a while. So that's going to be interesting. We're also getting a Christmas special, apparently, um, until we're told otherwise, sets predominantly on Earth, which is going to be a first for Stephen Moffat. I mean, you, you count the, uh, the what was it, Andrizan, Andrizani Minor from last year? Yeah, Sardic Town in the Christmas... Sardic Town, yeah. Apparently the planet was called Ember, but I'm not sure how official that uh, name is. Oh. It wasn't, I think it might have been in some kind of, um, you know, Stephen Moffat brilliant yeah. book somewhere but i don't know well, i assured it was a sardic town unless that was the name of the ta- the city where kazran lived but from from this poster it looks very epic but i think for a movie poster where they're hanging from a great big height i'd have thought that extra little touch if we didn't have london in in the in the bottom of the in the background of the picture i'd have thought it'd have been really menacing to have those uh, snowmen with the sharp teeth looking up at them but I mean maybe that may it might have taken it too far for people who obviously may not have seen a trailer or who don't want it to be spoiled so I mean this is a very seasonal epic looking poster for a good episode which hopefully should make that good, great viewing on Christmas Day. Yes it's very very exciting I, I will say all the posters we've got so far I'd easily want like a framed set to have on my <laughs> wall they've been, they've been all brilliant and I think they should keep this up because regardless of not just Series 7 but forever, they should do these brilliant posters because 
Fantastic. Bouncing off that, uh, we've also been given the synopsis for the Christmas special. And to be honest, I mean, it kind of says most things we either already know or have deduced from the trailer, which is a good thing, I think. It doesn't give away too much. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything you want to say about it. I mean, it really is. You, in, beyond reading it, there's not much we can discuss in it, really. I think the only th- really new thing I've noticed is I think one of the pictures that came with it was a photograph shot of that carries on a bit from when you see the snowmen brandishing their teeth in the trailer, and they are very, very menacing snowmen with those sharp teeth and the evil grins. I think if if Stephen Moffat's written a good enemy for uh, Richard E. Grant being in, and having these snowmen as his minions, I think this is going to be a very scary and very thrilling episode. It's going to be interesting. Definitely. I mean, I think that was, that was definitely lacking... Um particularly last year, a real sort of threatening villain. And I mean, I, well, I will say in, a, in Christmas Carol 2, there wasn't really anything visually scary. I mean, with the exception of possibly the shark, but that quickly becomes a comic relief element. Uh, but this time, you've, uh, it, he's really pouring on the let's do a scary Christmas monster, which we haven't really had since uh, uh, arguably the Cybermen, which, I mean, we already knew what the Cybermen were. But uh, yeah, that, that seems to me the last time when there was actually a, a tangible monster that is threatening and yes i'm very intrigued because you know oh, they're not going to show it in the trailer or any clips but how are these snowmen going to move about because they're built to, into the ground obviously because they're made of snow i i imagine there's going to be some very um interesting mechanics going on you know and it's uh can they only move on snow will the episode be based around they've all got to stay indoors or off the ground you know and you could there's bound to be a lot of um Knowing Stephen Moffat, he's thought of something incredibly clever and incredibly uh, creepy, but uh, also festive because he, he likes doing very, very festive episodes, which I, I, I enjoy too. Actually, there was a, if anyone is interested, they've released a very, very short uh, trailer featuring a few new clips. Oh, from yeah, the, uh, the Showtime. Uh, the, basically, all the drama and stuff from BBC One over Christmas that they usually release around this time. I was still waiting for that. But, um, yeah, it's got a few clips. And I actually, oh, I've just, just looking at the page now, I've just remembered something I wanted to ask, or at least post as a little kooky theory, but it's probably just a coincidence. There's apparently, the, the actor Tom Ward is apparently playing a character called Captain Latimer. Now, we've had a Latimer in the form of Tim Latimer in a Doctor Who story before, the uh, Human Nature and the Family of Blood. Yes. I'm labelling this as coincidence, because I highly doubt they're going to make any sort of reference there, but wouldn't it be cool if this was some sort of relation? Well, it would be, in terms of like being an ancestor, because it's set, bef- it's set before the First World War. So if they could seed that in, then that would be a, it would be a tiny nod to the, to the David Tennant but- fans slash Family of Blood Human Nature fans as well. I mean, I to be honest, I, I don't think so, and I think that'll probably be something that just slips by unnoticed. I mean, it's not even written by the same person. I, it's just, I just noticed it. Oh, Latimer! But then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, now we're on to the main portion of the podcast where we will be reviewing Asylum of the Daleks. In the next few weeks we'll be reviewing the next, the other four uh, episodes that have been on of Series 7 Part 1 leading up to the Christmas special. So today, we're, well today, this week, whatever, <laughs> we're going to be reviewing the first episode of Series 7 and one of the most epic posters and trailers I've ever seen, Asylum of the Daleks. You've got me. 
are you waiting for? At long last, it's Christmas. Here I am. Well, I'm going to kick right off and say that this was... I, I thought this was a very, very strong season opener and a very strong episode uh, overall. Uh, I was definitely extremely excited and uh, pumped for this. And I mean, this is going back to August now, but I can still remember. I, it was exciting. We hadn't had Doctor Who for so long. And this was after getting all sorts of little trailers and small online mini episodes. We were finally getting... Uh, a big episode w with the um, promise of lots of Daleks and movie style filming and I think they everything they promised they, they did to the point where I was sort of overwhelmingly happy with this and I, I, I think most people uh, and I say most I mean most people I've talked to uh, did really enjoy this episode and I think yeah we're going to um, go into certain bits more specifically but overall I can definitely say I, I, I rank this as a this this was Doctor Who for me you know this was very very good I, I, I think it was an epic episode it was very grand and obviously very emotional it's very as, as you say a strong opening episode and I mean compared to other opening episodes this has got a powerful way of reintroducing the Doctor to obviously the casual viewers as well as all the fans, bringing in a scope to how the Doctor operates now that he's trying to be invisible since the silence are after him. So the way that he's stay out of all the all the major events, but this whole fiasco with the Daleks where he's been in the prequel that been a thing was released on iTunes where he was being called across time and space to Scaro and then he's captured by the Daleks it's all a, a nice way for Moffat to say oh there's been loads of time after the end of Doctor Widow in the Wardrobe and the Doctor's been trying to get his name fade away not trying to be too out there and the Daleks somehow find him with a sound of the Daleks it brings you in full on in, in the way that the Doctor and both of his companions are captured by the Daleks and put into a very serious situation and the story itself just gets better and better with every 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 minute of action so personally it's a really good episode I just have a few minor quarrels near the end but we'll get to that later on I think also something I definitely take from it is that this episode is going to be so much more important when we start seeing the second half or maybe even the Christmas special when we start learning more about Jen Louise Coleman's character. I think this is going to be definitely in the vein, maybe not so much, but definitely similar to the way Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon meant so much, had so much riding on it and then they paid it off at the end of the season. I have a feeling we're going to get a similar thing here where a lot of that's going to, um, it's going to make a, be a lot even better than it already is because they're going to start explaining the loose ends from it and I I'm, I'm very looking, much looking forward to that, uh, and yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that uh, the episode really, even though it's epic and big and has Daleks and 
spaceships and this asylum planet, it really is mainly about um, Oswin. And I think that's what makes it really interesting as, a, as an episode. But even though it's so epic, it's about people still. I think with with Moffat being the head writer, obviously with Russell T. Davis, he'd always write the opening episode and then the closing episode. With Moffat, he's doing the same, but each of the head writers have their own uh, trademark way of writing, as they said on the DWP. Russell T. Davis is good at his character development as well as his story arcs, but with Stephen Moffat, obviously his story plots are a lot more time-driven and try to get you to be a lot more attentive to how time works in terms of his stories a lot, with River Song especially as his first major creation to mess with time in terms of how she and the Doctor are almost re- com- almost completely reversed in how their ages work. But with Oswin, it's a way that we are completely taken out of our comfort zone where we get this new character that we've been expecting for, say, what was it, about half a year when she was first announced, or so, yeah, about half a year, about three or four months that she was first announced. And then we think, oh, she's just only going to appear from the Christmas special onwards. And then there's that su- complete surprise where she is in the episode. And we're and most of the fans are like, wait, wait, I think I know that face somewhere. Wait, isn't, isn't that a new companion? Wait, why is she there? Wait, is that really? Yes, it is. And I mean, it's, it's, it's the complete surprise by that. And then all the other complete surprise with the big shock at the end. But I mean, we, we need to like work through the episode before we get to that point. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I definitely I, I thought the my favorite bit of that was the very, very opening part where we see Scaro for the first time in the modern series. Well, that was fantastic. The huge Dalek building again. Fantastic. Really showing off the uh, the wonderful special effects budget the show seems to be seems to be getting better every year to be honest i think the, the special effects just seem to be improving uh, by leaps and bounds and whether this is more money more likely it's an improvement of technology uh, and the whole introduction of the doctor there being this dark wanderer it, it just it plays into everything that's been established already it's fantastic it's it's ominous and it, it, it was a fantastic uh, opening section i mean I'm probably going to, for most of this episode, just end up saying, like, oh, I really liked this bit, I really like this bit, because I, I don't think there was much in the episode, personally, I, I really had any sort of problem with. I could just praise it uh, to no end. Uh, pers- when I saw the opening shot of uh, Scarra, when you're going through all the uh, buildings and things before you get to the giant Dalek statue, that actually reminded me of the opening to uh, Star Wars Episode Three, where the, Je- where the uh, Jedi starfighters are coming, or just flip on in front of the screen when you see the clone trooper ship and then it, it obviously you follow the uh, starships as they go along the uh, outside of the ship and then they just go straight down into the battle into the battle that's below to me the shot where you're going through all the going in between the buildings in the in, in the um, Dalek city before you go up to the thing reminded me a lot like that and that's and if, if it reminds me of that then that shows that it has got a lot of genuine filmic cinematic demonstration in it that this opening shot that reminded me of that from a film as big as star wars obviously shows that they are doing a very good they did a very good job in that opening shot to grab your attention exactly i think that's actually something i thought about this episode um a lot was this is sort of doctor who done like star wars i i got that a lot i i it was 
it felt like a space opera. It felt epic. It was it's huge, and it, it really just felt like this is taking place in this massive universe, film like a film. So that's a great comparison, because definitely I thought the entire episode had sort of, uh, at points, really felt like a sort of star, had a Star Wars vibe to it. It's almost with uh, how everyone who, I mean, even the DWP said that it, the way that it, it was shot and all the uh, action that's in it, it, it is worth seeing on a 50-inch screen. With that opening shot, as I said, it looking like Star Wars, I would have loved to have seen that on a 50-inch 50 50 or whatever whatever size screen because that just makes it even more epic that you're seeing Doctor Who on a movie scale both in how how it's shot and also how it's displayed and that makes it a lot more welcoming for new people to watch if they're seeing a mini movie in 45 minutes on that scope. I also think as well because we're well people watching this presumably have seen the show before we know it's the Doctor we know he's awesome when you see that shadow and you hear that voice, even though they're playing it to be kind of like dark and mysterious, we're just thinking like he's back, and it's it's so exciting. And I I got that a lot. It's like yes, we he he is here, here's the Doctor, and it's 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 exciting in its sort of darkness. Yeah, well, uh, we meet the uh, the Parliament of the Daleks, and what what was your opinion on there being a Parliament of the Daleks? Because personally, I think giving giving it the name Parliament makes it a bit too British. I mean, you could have called it something a lot... I mean, the, I'm assuming with Star Wars fans that the look of all the Daleks in those big circle shapes, I'm assuming there are loads of people shouting out saying, it's got to be a Senate of the Daleks, it's got to be a Senate, not a Parliament. I, I don't necessarily have the biggest problem with it, with how, like, the existence of a Parliament... I mean, there's debate whether the Daleks would be the kind of race who would have a, a Parliament in the first place... Uh, but but as far as the explanation I can deduce from it is because there's been a lot of pointing at this episode for being like, oh, it's butchering continuity. Oh, where did all the Daleks come from? Blah, 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 blah. And I've been a firm uh, supporter of the fact that, no, all continuity is intact uh, in, in this story. I, I imagine what, what happened, and this is, this is going to be elaborating a bit, that you have the Paradigm Daleks who were formed in Series 5, and they went off and created this new Dalek system. So in their mind, perhaps Parliament was the best way to do it. I mean, and that, that is, that's all I can deduce from that. I mean, maybe, maybe not everyone's going to be happy with that, but I think from a story perspective, it at least sort of works, even if um, people don't agree with it. Personally, that makes sense, because, I mean, after if they didn't have one before the Time War and all that, then obviously... After the time war between Eccleston and obviously Victory of the Daleks, and they're all in a bit. They're all f factions of the Daleks that survived. I mean, there was obviously the one in Van Staten's base. There was a cult of Scar. There was Davros being saved and all that. I mean, there's, there's all these factions and all that constantly surviving, surviving, surviving. And then when you get the new Paradigm Daleks, it sort of makes sense that, it's, that they are contemplating that they think that we need a better strategy for for, yeah. like for for thinking how do we do these plans. So I'm assuming a parliament is is uh, more of a, even though they're all the, all sort of the same in, in terms of like they're all Daleks, they don't really have too much differing opinions. But if they have uh, Daleks with a, with a, a prime minister Dalek and uh, supreme Daleks and also a mixture of all the uh, other 
um, Paradigm Dynamics, maybe scientists or strategists or whatever they are called, because I'm sure there were strategists and scientists or something like that. If they had the yeah, to actually think for themselves, then I mean, that obviously would make more sense for a parliament that could have it obviously discuss. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that that is the best way to sort of explain it. And I mean, even if there are fans who say, yeah, it, it's not maybe not particularly Dalek-ish, I don't think it particularly breaks any kind of Dalek continuity. It's just the, it's just the next step in their... Um, in their development, I think. It doesn't really break their continuity. It's more like we don't know what the Daleks are like outside of outside of trying to attack a planet or something like that, unless obviously someone listens to Dalek by Big Finish, which I haven't. But personally, I'd have thought they're only bloodthirsty killing machines when they've got a target in their sights. If they're all trying to think of a strategy, they're not all shouting... This is the strategy. We've got to do this. We've got to kill everyone. I'm assuming they've got to have some rational thought in terms of how they do something. It's not going to be constant, or else that just makes them sound like they're just stupid dustbins that just go around killing everything for no reason. They have to have some sense, or else then they just look. They just seem weaker than they already are. And as I say, weaker. I'm obviously going to go and go go into that a bit further. But they need a bit of ration, rationale in, ter- in terms of their development as, mu- as creatures in this universe, or else they just don't work. And they definitely don't work in a modern series. Like, maybe they did work in the classic episodes, but I think they need some form of extra development for the modern show. Otherwise, they would be ridiculed. They wouldn't be um, potentially scary. I just I don't think it would work. I think they've changed them to fit in with the, how the modern series works. So then we uh, move on to the Asylum Planet, which, do you think it, would, it was a good choice to have a, a snowy Asylum Planet? Or do you think it was just a, a way that they exploited the uh, the locations in Spain when they were filming for um, uh, a town called Mercy? Well, I mean, I think it beats doing another quarry Mm. Um, because because at least it's different. I think maybe they probably thought, oh, there's some snow. Oh, let's let's do the asylum planet in snow because it helps gives it it gives it character. And I think that that kind of helps. Even maybe it's kind of random. It's like, oh yeah, it, it's a snow planet. Great. And but I think if it was just somewhere, it was a rocky quarry. It's like we've seen that hundreds of times before. Uh, and they couldn't. They're having a desert story in the same series in Town Called Mercy, so they wouldn't want to do a desert planet. And then you're kind of limited. And I think without spending heaps of money on special effects to do like a junk planet or a or like a water planet or whatever, I think this was probably you know it made it different. It probably makes the most sense, especially since you've got uh, you're making when you've got the expedition expedition team that Oswin is a part, which I'm assuming is a part of, and wearing all the woolly clothing and all that. Then it gives them, it gives them more of a, 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 in sort of a way, of development to say that they they were expecting to go to this planet, or else why would they pack all the all this um, all this uh, snow exploration equipment? And if they were going to the uh, planet, then did they know it was a Dalek imprint, uh, asylum planet, or was it just a random snow planet that they want to explore or something like that? Because it, it it sort of gives a an extension to how we perceive that part of the story before they all landed, and then you obviously carry on to carry on with the uh, the Doctor and uh, Amy and Rory are given the the wristbands which stop the uh, nanotech from converting them into Robo Robo men when they go down, and you get the new characters in terms of the Afrin who's a part, the only living member of the team, while the rest of them are dead, and. 
he's suffering memory loss because of the transformation, because he thinks that he's only been gone a few hours when actually he's been gone quite a while. Yeah, I think they definitely did build up good atmosphere around this and having a, you know, a mysterious character that they introduced only to have him, well, not die, but get converted very, um, very soon after. I mean, it all plays into almost, uh, you know, very, very classic Doctor Who form. You know, you meet a character, you lose them, they, they start killing you, you've got to get away from them. And I think from this point in the episode, um, when they go below... Uh, into the actual asylum, the the small corridors all looking the same. This had a very classic series vibe to me. Uh, I thought I looked at those sets and those corridors, not not in a bad way, but I thought this. I could imagine, you know, Tom Baker running down these corridors and t- telling a similar story because it was a very very. Um, I felt it was very very classic series inspired. With the atmosphere and the wall decorations and all the machinery sort of look, it personally reminded me of the sets they used for Varos in uh, Vengeance on Varos uh, with Colin Baker because that oh, that was like a an underground sort of city where all the TV and all that was. I I I could have seen like if if they did a modern version of Vengeance on Varos, then I mean I could I could I could have seen the sick doctor traipsing through those corridors going between obviously each mirage and all like that and all, all the sort of stuff you can see and um with a dark dusty corridor like that that's all broken and and disused it makes a good appearance for how a dalek asylum planet looks because you've got these daleks that are hardly ever ever online unless something new comes in so it, it it gives it a, gives it a, a sense of age as well as use in terms of how with insane Daleks or whatever kind of Dalek because it, it weren't all insane it was sort of a mixture of them but where you have Daleks that are all in various mental states if you if you don't really care about trundling dustbins then it it works as a very a very uh, useful. Uh, creation of a, of a setting for the inside of a snowy planet that's actually full of Daleks that, that scare the hell out of you in terms of how the Robo-Men you, you're getting dead bodies brought back to life, which is so, I think he's recycled that from Forest of the Dead where the Vashta Narada would reanimate corpses of skeletons inside spacesuits, I'm assuming Stephen might have used a tiny bit of inspiration for that, for how the nanogenes are also reanimating dead corpses into Robomen, which is actually very spooky, as much as the Vashta Narada. Yeah, definitely. I think there was so much going on in the episode that you almost overlook some of these more spooky concepts and definitely... You know, you know, you've got you've got Daleks, you've got people coming to life, you've got this weird, mysterious girl, you've got crashed spaceships, you've got Parliament, you've got snow planet. It's so they're throwing so much at you that I think it is good to sort of go through it and look at these sort of smaller touches to really, really get into how creative and how you know well crafted the, uh, the the story and world is, even in something that's kind of all going, you know, bang and oh, there's lots of stuff going on. With uh, with Oswin, it's very int- it's, it's a very <laughs> Moffat-esque way of introducing a character like that, is bringing in this little repetition of a, of a phrase. Because, I mean, I, I once sent in a bit of feedback to the uh, DW or WhoCast about how Moffat writes with how in um, Dr. Dance's Empty Child, he kept, the child kept repeating, um, Oh, you're my mummy. And in um, Silence in the Library, Force of the Dead, how the 
dead people would always keep repeating things like, like, who turned out the lights? And, I mean, you get Oswin and the Doctor obviously repeating between how the souffle and the eggs, and you're constantly being reminded this thing, where do you get the eggs, where do you get the eggs? And then you, you only when you really concentrate and you realise that the, the Doctor's found it out right at the start, that you think, wait a minute, he's got a point, where did she get the eggs? Wait, how, how has she got an unlimited supply of eggs? And then it just clicks to think, oh, is she not real? And then you find that she's a Dalek. So it, it's a way with Moffat that he gets you to really think about these episodes a lot. And it, I think it as well gives them huge rewatchability uh, value, which I would say for most of the episodes Stephen writes, when you when you can when you know the big picture and you can think about these small things and how many uh, how, what what's being said uh, by. By, uh, by the Doctor and by any characters. And I think, yeah, definitely, if you look at a lot of the episodes he writes, he sort of seeds, seeds little plot points that you don't even realise are plot points early on, only to have them come back at the end and you go, oh, they were talking about that way earlier, and if I was clever, I could have worked it out. But no, because we're, you know, as viewers, you're not, you're not, you get caught up in the story that's happening in the first place. And no, he is very clever and I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of how he writes. And I know, I know there's a lot of controversy about him, but personally I, I think he's, you know, a, a genius uh, completely. I think most of the people that get cho- chosen for being writers on Doctor Who are, are pretty much very good writers. So we, we carry on and uh, Claire, uh, Oswin eventually realises that she's a Dalek even though she very much didn't expect to be that and uh, she wants to be rescued most of all and she is letting down the shield so the Daleks can blow up the blow up the asylum planet which to me there's something that doesn't twig about that in terms of how how, how, what they want to get rid of it for I mean I I will say I'm trying to think now I haven't actually seen the episode for uh, a little while but um, because what they sent the doctor down there to turn the shield off so they could blow it up so Oswin was going to turn the shield off and then the Daleks were going to blow it up and then obviously the Doctor does get out. I'm imagining Daleks don't want it there. Isn't it because they're scared of the sort of mental Daleks? But, but if they're mental Daleks and there's a shield around it, how can they get out? How can they get I don't Because I'm assuming none of the Daleks know how to operate the shield or else they would have got out ages ago. I, I don't know. I have no answer to this question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean it, it's a it's something I mean I don't I don't like to resort to it but I think that's kind of like in the in the big picture it doesn't really matter but I mean yeah I mean I can't I'm a, I'm a fan so we must we must um analyze these things I mean yeah I, I don't know I maybe if I watch it again um I might pick up on something that they actually explain what the big issue is well, I mean, um, even, even the president said uh, it's like we can't kill our. That's why we send them to the asylum because we can't kill our own because we find beauty. Uh, we find uh, evil. We find what, what we say beautiful. It's like if you didn't want to kill them, what and set and you sent them to the asylum planet. Why do you want to kill them now? Oh, hang on. Here's a little bit of a thing I just maybe thought of. Maybe it's into the. Fit, oh no. Here we go. Um. You know how in Victory of the Daleks, the Paradigm Daleks shot the other Daleks because they're like, you're impure, we're gonna, we're the new race. Maybe under the new parliament with the new Paradigm Daleks, they've gone, all those Daleks that have gone wrong, they're an insult to the Dalek race, let's get rid of them. Possibly, because I mean, I'm assuming that that beauty line applied to how it was when they were 
putting them on that planet up to the point where the time war happened and then it's like it didn't really matter and now they've had the paradigm it's like oh we just remembered we have this asylum planet we don't really want the old Daleks anymore we'll go kill them but we need a way to destroy our oldest enemy oh we'll send him down and then we'll blow it up while he tries to get rid of the Daleks for us Definitely. I mean, they're killing two birds with one stone. It's like, right, we'll yeah. kill the Doctor and we'll kill all those old Daleks. Even though <laughs> even though one stone gets away and then wipes their memories. Yeah, I mean, we'll, um, that, that, that tends to happen. I think I shall go into my point now, if that is fine. Yeah, go for it. As, as I've said on the, on the DWP forum and all that, to me, them forgetting that they, that, that, that all... That the Doctor is their greatest enemy to me is a slap in my inner fan's face because to me it's saying from what I've seen on various websites we don't want to bring the Daleks back too soon so let's make this episode where they forget the Doctor and it means that we don't have to bring them back for ages that's that's something I've read on another website but also it's like we have had 50 years of Scaro, Vulcan, Spiridon and all that sort of, I can't remember now there's several of them but I think and all the different way, all the ways that the Doctor has been defeating them. No writer up to this point has gone and said, we could make a really good Dalek episode where the Daleks actually use their prior knowledge of the Doctor's biological weaknesses and all his other stuff like that. And we could make them really threatening. But no, no one's done that yet. And then they have, then Moffat has to get rid of all of their past where they don't remember him where they don't remember any of the past encounters with him, or any of his past incarnations, and it's just like, Doctor Who, who is this? If they're resetting all of their knowledge of him, then put, then from my point of view, the Daleks are going to be like the audience, where, they, where, where they're less than the audience, that when they're talking to the Doctor and saying, who are you? Everyone's going to be shouting and saying, he's the Doctor, why don't you know? And half the people who are new are going to say, why don't you know who he is? You've been fighting him for 50 years. And it's just its just going to get, person, to me, it's going to get irritating to have the Daleks not know him every, almost every time. And, and to rebuild those 50 years of, in, of, in, of interaction between the Doctor and the Daleks, all that history between them is completely gone. I'd have accepted it more if, the, if that history was reset in, after the Time War, because that's a more acceptable way, in my opinion, that they could have reset their, the Daleks' knowledge of the Doctor in terms of like how they've lost so many of their own, and maybe at some point the, the, the record of the Doctor might have gotten lost with all the with all the Time Lords and stuff like that. But doing it now, after after seven years almost of 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 what I think are some of the, some of the, some great Dalek stories in the new series, over fifty years, it's comp- from this memory wipe. To me, it's we've had 50 years of Dalek on Doctor. Wiping their memories of him is just going to make them seem even more pathetic than they already were, since no writer can create a story where they actually use their knowledge of, of foreknowledge of the Doctor against him to make it a thrilling episode that could be really, really cliffhangery style grabbing of the audience. Sorry, that was so long. No, it's fine. It's interesting. I mean, I I haven't really thought about it in that way. I'm I always go back to I trust Stephen. Like, so long as he does something with it before he leaves the show, and he makes it work, and I know he will. <laughs> um, 
I'm I'm happy to sort of let him have this for the time being. I think maybe what it's done, as you've said, is essentially, well, quite possibly, remove the Daleks from the show for the time being, meaning they're not a threat at the moment. And I think with what's being built currently with the plot and with what's going on, maybe Stephen just needs the Daleks out the way for a bit. And... I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see them till well after 50th anniversary. I, I mean, if that if they don't show up in the 50th anniversary, I'll be very um, I won't be surprised. Well, I mean, if if if, if it was an if it was an endeavour to get rid of them, then it could have just left them out of both the beginning of uh, the Wedding of River Song and this episode. Because I mean, after Victory of the Daleks, you never knew where the hell they went until you obviously mentioned until you brought them back as a Parliament in in Asylum of the Daleks. So if you wanted to get rid of them, he could have done that rather than eliminate the whole fifty years of us watching of it, of the history of their of their rivalry. They might do a switch back. I don't know. It, it, I, I'm how... hoping there's a switch back because I don't. I, I personally don't like having the Daleks completely forget who he is. Well, just as easy as writers like nowadays have like been able to retcon certain story points for their own endeavours, if like the whoever is the next writer after Stephen, if they suddenly go, no, I'm doing Dalek stories, they can just write a story where, you know, something happens and the memories come back. You know, it, 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 you can write anything in Doctor Who. Like, you can, yeah. as head writer, you can choose anything you want. It's, it's just... It's, like... it, it's whether, if you were to do that, whether it would just seem like too much of a cop-out after Stephen's idea, because it's like, oh, they've lost the memory, oh, it's back again. It's it just, it's, it's almost like having, making the Daleks seem stupid to have an on-off switch for their memory of the Doctor. So it, 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 if you get what I'm meaning, it's, it's going to be very tricky to, to, to go around that unless some of the Daleks haven't forgotten it. Maybe we're going to see it played into uh, with the introduction of Clara slash Oswin. Maybe there's going to be some story elements there. Um, I would hope so. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm a, li- I'm a little bit either way, but I'm, I'm still on the side that I do, I don't mind memory right personally. And I, I, I can understand, I can definitely understand your, um, annoyances with it. Yeah. But personally, I kind of think, oh, yeah, this is different and I'm, I'm happy yeah. with different. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I mean, we're, we're, we're equally valid for our own points. Yeah, it's perfect, and it's great. It's part of it's part of being a fan, which is what I love. I love. It's great being able to talk to someone who's a fan, and for them not to just sort of blow up in your face the moment you say something that that they don't like. Well, that's that's only the uh, diehard fans. <laughs> No, I think that's that's pretty good. So I oh, I will ask you though, where do you rate this uh, as a as an episode? If we're gonna rate, if we're gonna rate these out of maybe um, actually no let, no let's <laughs> let's not um rate them. Let's rank them. So out of series five, how do you rank this? You mean seven? So yeah, I don't know why I said five. <laughs> five uh, episodes. This is probably my second favorite. And I I'll, I I second that as well. Yes, I'm I'm the same. Uh, <laughs> Just trying to get and we, what your first is. Well, you'll have to wait and see. We'll <laughs> have to see what mine then. <laughs> it's exciting. It gives, it gives people something to listen for. Anyway, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. Well, before we uh, say our goodbyes and we um, try and we uh, tease what we do for next week uh, next week's episode, I'd like to bring up my kooky theory I mentioned on Skype. 
Oh, fantastic. Uh, this is a little shout-out to the WhoTubia podcast, who aren't really doing any more episodes uh, as of, uh, I think it was probably September last year, maybe. Um, with uh, It was uh, John Granston and Christopher Thompson who were doing a, a podcast for this YouTube channel called WhoTubia, which was now replaced by five Who fans on YouTube, which is now John Granston, uh, Billy Tracy, Richard B. Brooks, Ben... Benji Bon, I can't remember his name. Ben Ben Bonji or something like that, and uh, David McLaughlin. Uh, they brought uh, in the uh, YouTube podcast. They brought up the f- um, uh, question because obviously this was uh, midway through season series six. I think they'd only just watched the Impossible Planet uh, astronaut when they asked this question. He says, "What? Who does uh, does River work for anyone?" And I just thought about the silence with. The uh, the um, the TARDIS blowing up. Everyone they thought they were talking about how did a creature destroy the TARDIS? And personally, I'm wondering whether, with River being obviously brainwashed by the silence, and there's that voice that comes on, the very man- manic voice, the maniacal voice, uh, just before uh, while River's messing with the TARDIS, trying to get it away from 26th of June 2010. Uh, when it says silence will fall, I'm wondering whether that voice specifically saying those words is a sleeper code for River to have destroyed the TARDIS. Because I'm wondering whether her programming, even though she obviously broke it at the end of uh, Let's Kill Hitler, whether there was a secret that no one other than some of the core people of the silence knew about saying, when you hear these words, you will pilot the TARDIS to a certain point and it will explode or something like that. And, she, and while we're watching her messing around with controls on the TARDIS, we don't know what she's doing, because obviously we don't know how the TARDIS works. Maybe when that voice is, is, is played in the TARDIS, she is secretly, or subconsciously, setting the controls for the TARDIS to self-destruct in some way. That's good. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. I mean, regardless of whether it's right or not, <laughs> it, it adds up. Yeah. Um, and that's a really interesting theory. I mean, out of all the... Out of all the things that could possibly explain the TARDIS exploding, that is one of the best explanations I've ever heard. And with what plot points they've got left open, that makes sense. I mean, I I imagine it, that could work. Yeah, that's I'm I'm impressed with that. I will be laughing so hard if that is the right answer when Stephen Moffat comes to trying to solve that problem that for all the, for all the people that are paying attention, and then that's right, and we'll be laughing so hard. I mean, I'm, I'm still holding out for the theory we brought up last week about, you know, Clara being related to the cracks and the explosion. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm super confident with that. But I, I, and if it is right, I'm going to be so happy. But I think, yeah, it's... It'll be I, to I imagine this time next year, we're just going to be like, oh, God, we were so wrong. We were so wrong. This is, this is like we're doing week-by-week week predictions, like how the DWP did it at the start of the year. We're just doing it week-by-week, week and we're going to have, like, 52 predictions that we're just, when we get to, to when we get to 23rd of November next year, we're just going to be, to, right, right, wrong, wrong, right, wrong. Yeah, or our theories are just going to get more and more outlandish the more weeks we go without Doctor Who. We're just going to start throwing really just crazy crap about, just because it's, we're, we're trying to just, we, we're getting to the end of our, um, our creative tether. But no, I def- it's very, very exciting to see if any of these theories pay off.
enjoyed today discussing uh, the, the fantastic news we've had as well as going through parts of Asylum of the Daleks. So, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. And, uh, yes, it's been incredibly good fun. Yes, it has. I hope we have more fun next week. Fantastic. Uh, next week we'll be reviewing Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, uh, Episode 2 of Series 7. Uh, as well as hopefully more news and tidbits for the snowmen and 50th anniversary, hoping there's going to be more and more news coming out now we've entered this year, as well as uh, getting closer and closer to the Christmas special. So, from me, George. And me, James. This is goodbye. Please send any feedback to the 49 up podcast at gmail.com. That's T H E 49 U P podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and take care, everyone. Bye. Goodbye.